greatness is a function of wisdom. The wiser we are, the better we live. Join us every Sunday at Global Impact Church, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. at The Goodland, Ifako Bus Stop, Owaranshoki Ogbutu Expressway, Lagos, Nigeria. Host Yemi and Bimbo Davids. For inquiries, visit www.globalimpactng.org or call 0808-156-3080. Glory to God. Um, I want us to charge ourselves from God's word, um, talking about growing. One of the things we tried to do in the last two, three months is to enhance our spiritual capacity, our relationship with God. Because it's from that particular fountain that we draw life, we draw encouragement, we draw strength. And we, we try to talk about um, growing in the word of God, growing in prayers. Uh, talking about the word of God, uh, it's at the very core of our spiritual development. I think I was sharing on social media. I said that the devil will fight your, um, your Bible study more than your prayer life because your prayer life itself draws strength from your Bible study. If your prayer is not based on God's word, there will be no impact. So I want to just retreat that a bit tonight and then we'll go on to other parts of growing up. For instance, um, Jeremiah 23, verse 29, talks about the veracity of God's word. Jeremiah 23, verse 29, he said, It's not my word like fire or hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. It's not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. This is one of the strengths of God's word. When I want to deal with, an, with a situation the, the word of God is fire. The word of God is hammer. We use that in our prayer closet to break, you know, things that we need to break. It could be the stronghold of the enemy in terms of spiritual attacks. Whatever it is, God's word is fire. God's word is hammer. It breaks any hard thing to pieces. It's able, so when you are praying and there is no word, then you're not breaking anything. You can't burn anything. It's just emotional display. Without the word, our prayer lives are just um, weak. Uh, Proverbs 26, verse 20. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Um, the first part of that verse, 26, verse 20. Where no wood is, the fire goes out. Okay? In, in, in the place of prayer, prayer is like, you know, a place of fire. The fire will not be much without the word. The word is like the dry wood. That's why when we come to church, we, we notice that even I was uh, sharing with the pastor some, I think, months ago, when we have a prayer meeting, when we just gather and we say, let's pray, people pray. But after sharing the word, and they will say, let's pray, the prayer has more fire after the word because the word is that, that wood. Where no wood is, the fire goes out. So your prayer fire begins to go out where there is no wood, where there is no word. So if you want to grow strong as a believer, uh, as a covenant child, then keep digging into God's word. Another thing that God's word does for us is to enhance our level of wisdom. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Scriptures are able to make you wise. 
That was what God, uh, Paul was telling Timothy, just acknowledging how God's word has affected Timothy. He said, and that from childhood, so our parents in the house, it's important we allow our kids to begin to, should I use the word, swallow scriptures. Thank God for TV and all those stuff. Well, God's word is able to make them wise. There has to be some constitution we live by. There has to be some codes we live by. If we leave it to the national constitution or what is happening in the society, we're going to be raising up very weak children. He said, and that from a child, and that from childhood, you have known. Somebody say known. Uh -huh. You have to know it. You have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise. Make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So we need to keep knowing scriptures it guides us. It makes us wise. And you know, as I mentioned on Sunday, it takes wisdom to make right decisions. So when you have the scriptures in your system, it helps you to make quality decisions. Especially when the Holy Spirit uh, opens your eyes to those verses. My life, as much as possible, is ruled by God's word. There are things you want to do, but God's word says no. And there are some other things the Holy Spirit tells you, this is what you should focus your life on. And it's always um, profitable. Just as what David said in Psalms 119, verse 11. Psalms 119, verse 11. Uh, talking about purity. Psalms 119, verse 11. It takes God's word to live a pure life. It's not prayer that actually helps us to live a pure life, a life of sanctification or a sanctified life. It's God's word. He said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not what? Sin against you. That means the more I allow the word into my heart, into my life, uh, the, the stronger I am against sin. The world is so social and entertainment driven that if you don't allow God's word in your heart, you can easily be distracted. Easily swayed, easily drift into wrong things, wrong relationships, wrong ideologies. If you look at uh, that same um, psalm, verse 67, verse 67, it said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Psalm, uh, verse 67, Psalm 1, 1, I think 119, verse 67, Psalms 1, the same psalm, 119, verse 67, it said, before I was afflicted, I before I was afflicted, I did what? That means, he said, but now I keep your word. The affliction came because I went outside what God's word has provided. He said, but now I've seen it. I've gotten back into the word. So if you join this verse to that other verse, it means the more I allow God's word into my heart as a husband, as a man, as a lady, as a young woman, as a teenager, the far away from sin. So you, you, you see all these examples of what the word of God does in our lives. How it helps our prayer life. How it strengthens your uh, spiritual warfare. It makes you wise. It helps you with purity. That's why Satan will fight your relationship with God's word. You will be so busy with TV. So busy with all kinds of things. But make God's word a priority in your life. You draw so many things. Your inheritance with God is in God's word. Your strength is in God's word. Favor is in God's word. Direction will come from God's word. Purity from God's word. Then I must stay with the word. 
So a wordless Christian is a worthless Christian. Okay, so we, we, we talked about that a bit, and then I think we also delved into how you can grow in the Word. When you are reading the Word of God, pray for understanding. It's important. Okay, there's, there's a difference between um, Bible knowledge and religious knowledge. I mean, Bible knowledge and, and um, revelation knowledge. Bible knowledge is religious knowledge. I did that in school. In, um, when I was in secondary school, uh, they call it CRK, Christian religious knowledge. In fact, the, our teacher was a chief. Ogun State Chief, and he was a drunkard. But he knew the knowledge, the, the surface, the, 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 what? The syllabus. I like that, syllabus. And then I remember Chief Jadola, <laughs> he'd be teaching us, and the second missionary journey of Apostle Paul, and very, very, but he, he was not really a Christian, born again Christian. But when God's word uh, comes to you by the Holy Spirit, you're studying it, and you are meditating on it, and the Holy Spirit explains to you, you have insight. That's revelation knowledge. It is that revelation knowledge that turns you around. That is what is called light. And the more enlightened you are, the wiser you are. So I encourage when you are studying the word, don't, don't ever be so familiar with verses, with psalms, with stories and scriptures that you take them for granted. I still learn when I, any time you get into God's word with a hunger to learn, asking the Holy Spirit to teach and to train you, you always pick up new revelations. New revelations. New revelations. I was reading, listening to God's word about Joshua when they were about to, um, you know, Moses crossed the Red Sea, Joshua crossed River Jordan. And I was just enjoying it, listening to it. And I just got to a place where they were supposed to cross River Jordan. And Joshua said they should, the priest should put their leg in the water and the ark in the water. And asked that when they put it in the water, the water will divide. And I just, you know, stopped there. I said, wow, this is faith at work. I thought the water would divide first before they move in. No, you've got to step into it. And I just learned, oh, there are many things God is asking you to do. You will need to take some steps. Many of us are waiting for, you know, um, some perfect signs before you take, until you take some of those steps, the signs will not even show up. Now, that was a revelation for me at that particular time because God is asking me to do some things. So when you are studying God's word, the Holy Spirit will bring it to you based on you, based on your age, based on your circumstance, based on what you are, your, your present situation and that's the joy of working with the Holy Spirit. I needed that word at that time. Because sometimes, I mean, you're telling people, okay, the sea will divide. God has spoken to me. And they're waiting at the bank. Of course, they're waiting for something to happen. And then you now tell them, the priest should put their legs first. And the ark of the covenant, they should put it in it. And as they did that, it opened up. Now, that was a revelation for me. They call it Rema. God will speak to you directly through his word. So have a system every day. Three chapters, one chapter, or, you know, we grew up with memory verses. It could be just one verse or one portion. Or you can have a season where you are studying a particular person. You can study Esther. You can study Abraham. You can study Peter. And you pick up, you can even study Judas. Oh, yes, you learn a lot of lessons. 
biographical studies. And it can be topical studies. You can pick a topic, thank God, for internet or reference Bible. You can just focus on a topic, maybe faith or patience or prosperity or success and just click it. And all the verses that come across your path along those lines, you just want to delve, you pick something up. And as you dig into it, you become proficient in it. Sometimes you begin to say things like, such as I know. Because you know it. It has become like your left hand or your right hand. Left hand, right hand. One of your hands. Amen. Another way we, we grow is by developing a life of generosity, giving. One of the hallmarks of the covenant is a generous life. I am wary of any Christian that says he or she is a believer and they are, they, they are stingy in terms of they are not willing to give they are best for God. You, you ask, when the spirit of God is upon a man, you behave like God. And from Genesis, you look at Abraham's story, all of them, up to Jesus that gave his entire life and died on the cross. There is something about dying to live. And if you want to be great in God, you want to become the best you want to be, you need to learn to be generous, especially with your finances. Giving is one part of our covenant work that helps us to grow. Giving makes you behave like God. John 3.16. John 3.16. If you claim to love God, then you will give towards his purpose. I mean, uh, can we read this verse together? I'm sure you've heard this verse before when you were small. We all had it growing up. No, they used to torture us with it, but um, can, we, can, we, can we do it together? One, two, go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not what? But what? It didn't say for God so loved the world that he prayed to the world. It didn't say for God so loved the world he threw the Bible to the world. That love is expressed with giving. And he gave his only begotten son. So when we teach giving in church, priority, understanding is I'm doing it out of my love for him. I love him. And there's nothing I can, I mean, I, I, I met a pastor, uh, we had a ceremony some weeks ago. He's older than I am. He pastors in a Baptist church. He's also the MD of one of the multinationals and also a pastor. So I saw him, um, I was on my way to Paracourt, he was sitting behind, I didn't even know. As we were disembarking from the plane, I just saw the face, I know this pastor. I just met some few weeks ago. So he was sharing a story with me that, I said, did you become MD of this great company? He said, well, that he has never looked for a job in his life. He said when he finished university, somebody gave his name to Deeper Life. So they posted him to Deeper Life Church. So he was very angry. For a whole year, he did um, uh, electrical engineering in school. So his plan was to work in a, you know, in, uh, in a kind of firm like that so that he can prepare for employment. So he said his anger was, if I work in a church for a year, how will I get a job? So when he got to the Deeper Life Church, and I think when he was in camp, you know, the, uh, he was in the, in the fellowship. So he used to play the organ very well. So I think they also saw those giftings. So Deeper Life requested for coppers. Somebody went to go and put his name. Except for 21 days, he refused to play the keyboard in church. He refused to showcase his giftings. He said, one day, on the 21st day, early in the morning, the Holy Spirit appeared to him. 
well, appeared that like God came to that. What's wrong with you? He said, ah, what is wrong? I can't ask what's wrong. One year, why would I get a job? If I serve in this place now, I, can't, I won't get a job. And one question God asked him, you cannot give me one year when I give you my life. He was sharing the story. We were waiting for our luggage and he was sharing the story. That God said, I gave you my life in pains for your salvation. You can't just give me one year. So he started weeping. I started crying and then surrendered. And God said to him, if you could give me this one year and serve me well, you will never look for a job in your life. That's what led to, he didn't, you know, look for a job. He's empty of Rangzeros, let me just say clearly, you know. And he's also a pastor, part-time pastor. So if, 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 if we want to demonstrate our love for God, we give all, all to him, whatever he makes demands of, especially in our finances. Glory to God. Giving is also one of the ways you conquer greed. You conquer greed through giving. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. First Timothy 6, verse 17. You conquer greed. It's either you use money as a tool for good things or you worship money. Many of the rich men you know, especially in the world, money is the one controlling them. They don't have possessions. The possessions have them. Is that correct? Is it have or has them? The possession possess them. And let me use that word. That's why somebody embezzling billions of dollars and you wonder, are you all right? Are you all right? Ten billion dollars, one billion dollars. One bi- what do you use it for? And if you ask, what have you done? I sponsor one primary school student. With one billion? Accumulating it? That's when money has become a god and that's very destructive. Money is a tool in the hands of mankind to bless mankind or to bless humanity. So giving is one way you show that you have conquered greed. That means you are in charge. Of, it's like fire. If you are in charge, when, when there's wildfire in the forest, you know, we can't control it at times, and it destroys. But the one you can control at home, like the gas, you put it on, you put it off, you are in charge. The fire is not in charge of your life, you are in charge of the fire. Okay? Now, it says, command those who are rich. How many people are rich in this place? Potentially or surely... Whichever actually. <laughs> so, I want to be sure that this verse is talking to us. Are, are, are they there? Are they here? Uh-huh. So, don't say, who are the people? We are the people. Me, I know I'm a, a part of the people. Glory to God. He said, command. Not uh, suggest. Command. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. That's pride. Because one of the diseases of prosperity is pride. Okay? He said, not to trust in what? On certain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, verse 18, let them, what, do good that they be rich in what? Good works, ready to do what? Willing to share. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. He said, it didn't say being rich is bad. No, but this is how to be rich. Don't allow it to enter your head. You're not be working in pride, you know. When you just joined the church, when you didn't have a job, you always run into your seat and sit down. And now you're, you're the CEO of a large company. So when you, are, when you get to the door, you know, you, you step majestically. They must see. And then you are in the ushering department. You just stop coming for meetings. Uh, they say, oh, 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 God, why? Abba, you shouldn't be asking me why. 
blind? Because now you are more than the ushering department. You are supposed to be out there. In fact, they should create a seat for you somewhere. And, when, when, and that's what happens to most people. When they go like that, they crash. He said in verse, uh, I think verse uh, 16 or 17, they said that they be not haughty, not proud. You are still broken because the money is not running your life. You are still yourself. So I said in our church that we're gonna, we, have, we have them already. That we have people that are CEOs of companies that are in traffic department. I love that. People that own their companies and they help that directing traffic. Or somebody's in ushering as a manager in the bank. And people look at the person when they see them, ah, is that not a manager? Like staff of that bank, maybe they just come for the first time and see, ah, they see the person running up and down, serving and cleaning. Ah, is that not the manager? Hey, hey, it's not him. It can never be him. <laughs> they say it's him. Something is going on, no? And the argument is, it can't be him. It's him. <laughs> That's the joy of greatness in God. When the thing is not thing running your head, you are running it yourself. He said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, because money can fly away, but to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things. So we, also, we give to show that we have conquered greed, and we honor God with our givings. One of the ways we honor God is through giving. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions. One version says, with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, this is where tithing comes in. You know, God wants us to show that he's first. And, I, I, you know, when we say worship, you know, when we say we are Christians, you have surrendered your heart and your life to Christ, there is the law of sequence. That's why... We don't pray when we have done everything. We start with prayer. Like, you know, it's an instinctive thing when you, are, when you are saved. When you wake up in the morning, oh, I want to start my day with God, isn't it? So we want to call it quiet time. But beyond the tags we give them, it's a demonstration of our relationship with him that, well, I have my job, I have everything. But before any other thing, God comes first. It's one of the ways we honor him. The principle of tithing comes from the principle of honor. I have earned this money. I have many things to spend money on, but my God is first. I will honor him with the first part of my fruits. In the Old Testament, God said even the first son that comes from the womb should be presented in the temple. It's, it's a way of saying that, God, you are first. Other things can be second, third, fourth. My generator can be first. Pampas can be first. School fees can be first. In fact, without you, there will not be any school for me to attend. It's a way of honoring God because sometimes people just, people have spent everything, they now remember God. You're not getting it right that way. Honoring God and then he now blesses the remaining that makes it easier to do all the number three, number four, number five, number ten. So that scripture says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase. Verse 10 so shall your barns represent your storehouses. I pray you will have many storehouses. Meaning you have one account there, one account there. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. But it happens when you honor. It's like when you get into a particular forum and you see people. Most of the time, we try to greet the elders first. Have you noticed that? Just to show honor. 
that okay, this this ones are my colleagues, some of my friends, but this are our pastor or this are grandfather. You want to greet that person first and then greet others. Or when you they tend to go and pick food in the kitchen. When I was growing up, things are different now with our own uh, children. Thank God for this generation. When I was growing up, when they ask you to go and take food, you even ask mommy first, has daddy taken his food? Like you want to show preference. And if they say that has not taken his food, you understand that you know your portion inside the pot. The way my mom cuts the meat is in is based on your level. Uh-huh. And you know, sometimes we break the rule and you suffer for the rule. For, for breaking the rule, sorry. You know, you see the meat there. You see someone that has some bone, extra meat. That's most likely mommy's own or daddy's own. You see your own, like, communion item. It's more, you stare at the thing like this. The devil will tempt you. You remember that if you take it, you won't take meat for three weeks. You said, devil, get away from my, from, my, from my head. And then you pick your part. You pick your part. It's something that we have inside us, but you see, when man fell, many of those things were just, you know, um, done away with. Honoring God. I get 10,000 naira. I have a million and one things to spend money on. But Lord, you are my source. You are my provision. You are the source that never runs dry. I move God's portion out first. That, that's the only way I can even survive the remaining. That's the principle of tithing. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase. Another reason why we tithe is to express faith in Abraham's blessings. You know, it's very easy to say, Abraham's blessings are mine. I am Abraham. I have the blessing of Abraham. I'm blessed in the morning, you know. But it's not just to claim it by mouth. We behave it, especially knowing that we are destined for greatness like Abraham. You are destined for greatness. When God met Abraham, he said, I will make of you a great nation. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. Now, John 8, 39. John 8, 39. So when you want to walk in Abraham, Abrahamic greatness, it's important you behave like him. And one of the things Abraham did was to tithe. He was a tither. Before the law came in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Abraham demonstrated tithing as a covenant man. Now, in the old covenant, they were tithing, should I use the word legalistically, you know, like almost by force. In the New Testament, we do it willingly. In fact, in the New Testament, I believe the tithe is like the baseline. Like it's 10% and up. So you can do 20%, you can do 30%, you can do 40%. But that should be the minimum. In the Old Testament, they did not have grace. Now I have grace. I must use that grace well. Look at that verse. It says, then answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, what happens? You will do what? You will behave like him. Abraham was a worshiper. Abraham was a friend of God. He had a solid relationship with God. Abraham was a sacrificer. Beyond tithing, he wasn't willing to sacrifice his only begotten son, Isaac, or Isaac, as some people call him. Glory to God. So we express faith. If I believe that I am destined to be great like Abraham, then anything that I've learned from Abraham, I'm willing to practice it. Abraham was a tither. Glory to God. Genesis 14, 18. Genesis 14, 18. Genesis 14, 18. If you are alive, say amen. Amen. If you are sleeping, say amen. Yeah. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) 
<laughs> now look at this. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Just take note of this is Genesis before Jesus Christ came physically. Because this Melchizedek is a priest. Is a typology or is Christ in a shadow. Jesus Christ that is to show up physically. But this Genesis says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. When you see bread and wine, it's like communion. We have it tonight, okay? He says, he was the priest of the Most High. Verse 19. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered uh, your enemies into your hand. And then Abraham gave him what? Tithe of what? Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek. Now, in the New Covenant, I think Hebrews 7. Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 1, we see that we, in your local assembly, where you are worshiping Jesus, you tithe there as a demonstration of Abraham's giving his tithe to Jesus. That's your faith. You're not giving it to the pastor. You're not giving it to me. If you are giving it to me, I will be fatter than this. I'll be bigger than this. Now, but I tell Christians, if you are in any church where you believe your tithe is not being used properly for the cause of Christ or whatever reason, you can leave that church. But tithing is a principle. Okay? It says, for this is now Hebrews 7. It says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, what we just read, verse 2, to whom also Abraham gave a what? Uh-huh. That's tithe. Tenth part of all. First being translated. That's Melchizedek. King of righteousness. Then also king of Salem. Meaning king of... All these attributes show that Melchizedek was Christ in a shadow. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. Without father and without... It's not Aaron. It's not me. I have father and mother. It's not pastor so-and-so. This Melchizedek is Christ. He said, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days, no end of life. In fact, he now said, but made like the son of God, remains a priest continually. So just like Abraham gave to Melchizedek directly, in any local assembly where Christ is glorified, where Jesus is ordained, as the, as, the, as the Lord of that church, when you are tithing, your faith should be, Lord Jesus, I honor you with my tithe. I thank you because my heavens are open. The devourer is rebuked for my sakes. In Malachi 3, verse 8, he gives us a glimpse of the blessings that come to us when we are covenant practitioners. Parents, teach your children to start tithing. I'm reading about a great man, uh, an industrialist, a manufacturer in the 1940s, R.G. Lotono, as a Christian, was not so educated, but God began to bless him with creativity. And then he started tithing from 10%, and then God began to bless their business. I mean, I, 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 God is real. God blessed him to a level where, apart from heading a conglomerate, he was also preaching all over the world. He bought airplanes from the blessings of God, and then you got a chapter where he said him and his wife had to only do with 10% and 90% to God's kingdom. He said the narrative when the company was, began to prosper was, it's not how much of my money should I give to God. No, it's not how much of God's money should I keep. That he was his own. And he said this business is God's business. 
I'm going to be teaching it in the businessmen's meeting sometimes this year. He said, he, told, they, they, he called the board meeting, this business is God's business. Me and God are in partnership. In fact, he's the owner. And he's the senior partner. And then he institutionalized a percentage of their profit to kingdom matters. Orphans, uh, gospel things, churches. And then, bam, everything took off. Everything took off. Everything took off. Glory to God. He said, will a man rob God yet to have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10. Now, said, now look at this. He said, bring all the tithes of the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, say, Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings that there will not be room enough to what? To receive it. Somehow you, lay, you, you start living in the overflow. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. That caught my attention many years ago. That word devour, even when you hear the word devour, I was in, I, I went to boarding house, and there were some of our colleagues that when they are eating food, they don't eat food, they devour the food. You know something is devour? Some people eat and, you know, just one spoon. If somebody just come, one of those seniors just put his hand in the bar and just, you just see a crater in the plate. That's what they call devour. The devourer means... You can be earning 10,000 and problem of 30,000 will come. You will just boo. Hey, oh, oh. You will just devour. You have 80,000, problem of some of the 2,500 shows up. Mm. The blessings of the covenant cannot be monetized. Oh, there is a monetary part of the blessings, but there is a part where money cannot buy. You can't afford to live a life without these blessings. Somebody can be only 10 million and problem of 8.5 million will show up. Sickness upon sickness. Mother is sick in the village. Um, the car is hitting somebody up and down. The money that seems to be coming in is going out. He said, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. When I'm tithing, I, Lord, I honor you with my tithe. I declare that you are my source, not my salary. Thank you for providing. Only the living can earn, as it were. And I say, Lord, the devourer is rebuked for my sake. You don't know what you are enjoying until the devourer is unleashed on your property. Small thing can become a problem. Small thing. Somebody just, one brother will just say, they, they arrested him. You think it's a joke. He never went to the police station. Madam, sign here. Write this thing. Bring 25,000. Ah, okay, 25,000. The next day, 17,000. Ah, the third day, 8,000. Ah! All those things. The grace of God covers your nakedness. Ah, ah. If you know how many things you've escaped in the last five years, you know, because we don't see it, we don't know. We will not even know. But we must be thankful. Hey, it's when you see it happen to some other people that gives you a glimpse of what could have happened. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He said, so that he will not, what, destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit. Our, our businesses and our careers will bear fruits. In the name of Jesus Christ. Says the Lord of hosts. Then verse 12 says, And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. Amazing. KJV says, A delightsome land, a land sparkling with beauty. That's the joy of tithing. I, I, I believe the way God 
um, organize it, is for us to be partners with him. He's running a kingdom on the earth, you understand? And he wants it to be funded. And it's okay, you are my sons and daughter. As you invest in this, I will do things for you that humans cannot do for you. Your education cannot do for you. Beyond, you know, and it's a, it's a divine partnership. If you look at, it's in Mark 10, Mark 10, 28. You see that partnership. And I believe in the New Testament, tithing is a, 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 the basic way of me uh, fulfilling my partnership consistently. There are other ways of giving. We have sacrificial giving. We have project giving. We are doing a program in church with people to give. Those ones are there. You extend your hand to it. But I feel tithing is a consistent way of partnering with God that allows those blessings to remain sustainable in my life. Mark 10, 28. Are you awake this night? Mark 10, 28. So whether you, if you are earning 10,000, don't fail to tithe. Start there. I started tithing from 3,000 naira. When I was on campus, 300, and then I give to missions, and God began to bless me. He said, then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Verse 29. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly I said to you. He's like, Peter said, okay, we have invested our life in this partnership. <laughs> assuredly I said to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake. And what? The Gospels, verse, 20, verse 30, who shall not, what, receive a hundredfold. Is it in heaven? Answer, is it in heaven? Uh -huh. So it's not suffer, suffer for what? Enjoy for heaven. It's now. He begins to catch up with you. The multiplication of opportunities, of finances, of wisdom, of strategy that works. He said, he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses. There are people that, the, are, that the brothers and sisters God has brought into their lives that are doing things in their lives are better than their blood relations. I have that in my life. Thank God for my blood relations. But I have friends. I have brothers and sisters in this church that are, um, well, we are blood brothers anyway. Only that is the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we drink it every... <laughs> you know? Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children. I have children. I have, I have spiritual children all over. All over. All over. All over. I was in Paracourt. We just come to greet you. Hi, Pastor Yemi. I've been following you. You know, All over is God's blessings and lands with persecution. Because when God begins to bless you, they will persecute you. They will say, mm, how? From one plot in Surulere, they came to five acres. How? <laughs> All these New Testament pastors. When we were in Surulere and the church began to grow, we were running five services on a, on a, on a Sunday morning, two midweek services. Another church beside us, uh, some of their workers were discussing. They said, that pastor, they, they buried cow. That we buried cow in that Surulere facility. So one of our members was eating there too, and he was hearing those. So all these young, young pastors just see them like that. <laughs> when we are giving, you are not there. We still give. We still gave last week to another ministry, two million. We have project, too. but you sow high to go high. Any farmer that stops sowing will never see harvest again. If he eats everything, say everything is plenty, he eats everything, he's enjoying that time. Next year, you bambe. You sow. You sow. And the larger the seed, the greater the harvest. We sow. Say, we bury cow. That means I carry. How many cows would not bury to do this one? This place now. If, if cow can do that one, then maybe buffalo and elephant. <laughs> and three squares. <laughs> 
cow. If it's cow that did this thing, <laughs> go and do it. And I say, other oh, it will last. <laughs> they were very calm. They say it was. They were saying that they have a baba somewhere that they go and visit. They give them things. I was just laughing. And we left them there. They are still there. Your progress is visible when you walk in the covenant. I'm telling you, the covenant moves you forward. Like Abraham, he met God, had no child, barren, and then changed his name. Sarah conceived. And then next thing, Isaac and Jacob, uh, and then Jacob, 12 tribes. And then it moves you forward. The covenant moves you. It builds you. If you walk in it. If you walk in it. Look at Peter, fisherman that could not speak properly, became an apostle. Walking with God will never leave you the same. God will never mismanage your life. And on my wall at home, in the corner where I study, you see, you can never outgive God. No matter what you give him as sacrifice, I give my salary or I give my car. When God responds, you know, Jesus was crying at the Garden of Gethsemane. Almost like, ah, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass over me. But Lord, not my will, but your will be done. He gave his life for, the, for mankind. He died. But when he resurrected, and then you go and read Philippians 2, and God has highly exalted him and given him a name that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. When you look at what came from me, you say, can I die again, sir? And even the dying, he came back. You know, Abraham was almost giving up Isaac. God said, don't worry, I've seen that you have given him up. And then God began to bless Abraham. You can never outgive God. There might be some temporal pain of, oh, I mean, sometimes people give sacrificially in church. They say, I don't know, I'm feeling so much. Why would you feel so much? <laughs> ah, if I have this thing and I give it, will I see that tomorrow morning? So why are you so very mature? You know, I don't know what's happening. I don't have anything. That's why you, you gave something. If I gave it, will it be there tomorrow morning? Uh, won't you miss it? You will miss it. You, that's that sacrifice. You will cry. See time and what? There must be time. Don't say because some people when they give it like that, eh? On Monday, on Tuesday, they expect three iPads on the table in their living room. And Satan uses that impatience to destroy the harvest. They begin to doubt God. They begin to say negative things, and you spoil everything. In His time, He makes all things what? For most of the times, when he does it, it's always the day you don't expect it. Praise the Lord. So let's study God's word. Let's open up our lives, our treasures to him. We give willingly, joyfully. We give with understanding like we've shared tonight. You give consistently. And let me close with this. You give expectantly. Oh, yes. You don't, I mean, I love God. I, 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 I give because I love him. But I'm also expectant of what he said will happen. I'm a delightsome land. I keep saying it. All nations call me blessed. Somebody called me, uh, one of my friends, Pastor Yemi, our conference in 2020. Ah, I want to book you. I said, why? I just thought it was too early. God said, it was too early. I said, okay, book me. 2020 is already happening. Another one called from Austria. That Pastor, when are you coming to Austria? We want you to come and speak to our congregation. That's how it happens. So I said, I have to start planning for 2020. And before I go and give the date of your wedding to somebody for, for preaching, because they're already booking dates. Be expectant. When you are a tither, you rebuke. They are you too. You speak against it. You will not devour my fruits. I am a delightsome land. 
when you give sacrificially, first you thank God that you are able to do it. And then you keep speaking over your life. I, my, I experience turn around. Psalm 126 is my Lord. In his time, he makes all things beautiful. His word is yea and amen. You give expectantly because God has promised it. Your expectation draws it close. Not that you become anxious, okay? But you are expectant. It's a faith state with patience. And then in his time, it just lands in your hand. Glory to God. And in my own life, I've seen God do things at the time you don't expect. You don't expect. They call it zero anxiety state. When you are just busy with your own thing, and then God just shows up. Wow. That's when you now remember, oh, I, God helped me to do this some months ago. Could this be the harvest? Thank you, Jesus. Some harvest takes months. You understand that? Some harvest takes years. A cocoa seed will yield when? Is it five years? That's because some of us don't know those things. Some, when you plant tomato, how many weeks does it grow? Six weeks, Abby. Tomato. You, you reap it, you do jollof rice, that's the end. And that happens to us. Some of those harvests comes. But there are some things that might take years. But when it starts, you just find out they just promote you at work to a level. And that level changes everything about your life forever. Like a tree. You know, you plant a tree, it takes time. But when it starts producing fruits every year, the fruits will be coming out. God's harvest is real. I've seen that in my life severally. Praise the Lord. One of the things I do, I, I, you know, I learned it from Jerry Savelle. Jerry Savelle says that um, in the church where he pastors, when he sees grandchildren, he'll be giving them money, like $10. He said he was doing it so that his own, he has grandchildren. They live all over America so that they can have favor. So you know what began to happen? They began to give the grandchildren money. People just sit after the service and give them $20. So one day they were in the family meeting, you know, this family meeting, Thanksgiving in December, or sorry, November, and now after some, it took about two years, he didn't, you know, he now shared it with them. Then I said, wow, that they were wondering, you know, nothing happens by chance. So the guy, the guy just favored. Hmm. Do you know what the mother did? Just favored. I don't know what's happened to my life. Your mother didn't do anything. Go and do your own for your, for your own life. <laughs> oh, yes, that's how life is. You plant your tree. So, they said, don't wonder. After they just call their children where they are and give them money. So, something that happened after like a year, <laughs> they were eating. The, the son now asked, Grandpa, can you change what you give <laughs> a young boy? That they'll be giving him $20 too much. Can he change it to $50? <laughs> he said, he just laughed. That he's tired of this $20. $20. <laughs> when I go to preach in places, I had this inspiration. When I go there, I should buy a gift for the wife of the pastor there. I want people to always give her gifts too. So when I go to preach in places, sometimes I buy, get gifts for the pastor and his wife. And then suddenly, people start sending. When I go and preach in them places, when I'm leaving, they will give me gifts and then give gifts to her. It doesn't happen by chance. It's produced, you know, by covenant understanding. If you want a particular kind of future, can you start sowing it now? What we don't want in that future, let's not sow it. If we mistakenly sow it, let's uproot it through repentance and restitution. Let's prepare the garden of the future in a better way. You can, you can, you can make 2025 the best from now. Especially if what you had in the past was also good. Now start changing the future. And when we say seeds, it's not only money that's a seed. Words are seeds, isn't it? Hospitality is a seed. Hospitality, treating people properly. 
A pastor sent me a mail. I can't remember his face. He said, I'm having my 48th birthday on such and such a date. I want you to come and speak at the uh, birthday. I was even at first angry. Ah, I don't even say my friend. Ah, for their birthday. Ah, I said, that date is not even available. And I was saying, Holy Spirit said, just respond where you don't, I mean, it's his birthday. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, okay, sir, can we, can we see in the office? Come around, let's talk about it. But I already told him, I won't be, I won't be available. He said, ah, I'll be happy to just come around. And he came, he came today. I can't remember his face. The first time he said I saw him was at MLF. Sorry, mentorship in March. And he came. He was fully dressed. Came with the cameraman. He said, well, I said, I'm sorry. I can't make the bad day. What are you going to do now? He said, you will think about something. But he's even just glad that he came to the office. I was sleepy. I was sleepy. I just finished eating rice in the office. I was tired. So I was just answering, and I started praying and blessing him. And, and then he says, I came with the cameraman to take pictures. I said, fine, let's do it. I took the pictures. When I was about to leave, he now dropped two envelopes that he came with a gift. I said, thank you. So when he left, I now opened 200,000. I said, ah! He's a good man. He's a good man. <laughs> he dropped two checks. He dropped two checks. The one for church, 248,000. Then one, Akemi Davis, 200,000. I said, ah! Thank God I treated him well. Oh. Thank God I treated him well. Oh. Today, oh. hospitality. You don't know who God is sending to bless you. Fight everybody on the street. You fight the bike man. You fight the tricycle man. You fight everybody right up on your feet tonight. Amen. Today, oh. today, today. My eyes open. <laughs> it is slipped. It's up. Like that. Ah, I said, thank God. thank God. I said, I was thinking, did I post well at the, the picture? Did I smile? I just sent him a text. Thanks for coming, Pastor. You know? Wow. 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 Honoring people. Especially when the Holy Spirit prompts your heart about anything. You're in church, and the Holy Spirit is telling you, pay for that family's, their child school fees or something. Do it. When God is asking you to do something, there's a plan, a serious plan. And the one he didn't ask you, don't do it. Qualify your soil. I don't live by sentiment. Okay, I'm not saying you should not go and be dashing everybody. How are you? You look sad. Come, come. <laughs> you, you are bending like the wobble. Is your head okay? Just go and take care of yourself. Don't take care of yourself. I didn't say that too. You live with discretion. Lift your hands. Let's appreciate the love for what we've learned tonight. Greatness is a function of wisdom. The wiser we are, the better we live. Join us every Sunday at Global Impact Church, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. At The Goodland, Ifako Bus Stop, Owaranshoki Ogbutu Expressway, Lagos, Nigeria. Host, Yemi and Bimbo Davids. For inquiries, visit www.globalimpactng.org or call 0808-156-3080. Thank you.